This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Speak, for your servant hears. This line from Samuel informs us of the next stage in the development of his ministry to God in the house of God. Thus far in looking at the book of 1 Samuel over the last couple of weeks, we have seen how God continues to use what the world considers as weak and lowly to fulfill his purpose. We have seen the stark contrast between those born into their positions and those born with gratitude of having life in the first place. We know this story that we read today in 1 Samuel chapter 3 very well of the Lord's voice waking the young boy in the middle of the night. When we think of Samuel, we often go to this account in his life. This morning, let us look anew at this beloved passage, looking to the absolute necessity that we listen to the right voice over the voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil. First eight verses of our chapter today contain two parts, a synopsis of Samuel's ministering as well as the spiritual climate of Israel and God's first three calls to Samuel in the middle of the night. The first part of verse 1 states, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Ministering here means to wait upon someone, to serve, to minister unto someone. He did this, as some translations state, under Eli, under his care. This ministering occurred in a most crucial time in Israel's history. His training from a very young boy to this point was critical in preparing his heart, preparing his mind for what was about to occur with the word of the Lord. The same is true for all of us in Jesus Christ. Whether we're raised in the church from infancy or we come to faith later in life, we must start, if you will, with the milk of the word in terms of learning what it means to minister to one another in Christ's church, what it means to serve Jesus Christ through loving God and loving neighbor. We all have a significant part to offer As the people of God, we learn in the very smallest of details how to minister unto the Lord, how to minister to each other. And this is what Samuel was learning. If we think about it, if we neglect the little, the mild moments of life, we will be lacking in the larger things. If we neglect what we may think to be the small, unimportant details, we may not hear when the Lord calls us through his word as he did with Samuel. If our eyes are just upon what we perceive to be the big things, the adult things in our estimation, we might miss the small details, such as the young children that are below our eyesight, and the small mercies and graces that God shows us, even through the infant, through the child. For Eli, the high priest, he trained this young Samuel in ministering. 
forward. Even the smallest of the Lord's people need the attention and the discipline and the discipleship in ministering to the Lord through every aspect of life. And this is what occurred in the life of Samuel. Samuel's ministering at this time was in a difficult period of time, as we read at the end of verse 1. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. This fits for the end of the time of the Judges. Reading the book of Judges, which is in the same time period as 1 Samuel, one frequently encounters direct communications from God to a special person, to a chosen person, to elevate that person to bring their people back to faith, to deliver his people from their enemies. Here at the start of 1 Samuel, with ministering in the presence of the high priest, also a judge of Israel for 40 years, it's quite telling that God's word was rare. Yet even in the midst of this drought, God used the imperfect Eli to prepare this young child, child outside his family, a child outside his tribe, for service unto God and the nation in a mighty manner. See, God raises up those we least expect through means we least expect to show his mercy, to show his grace to his people. Verses 2 through 8 contain what we are most familiar with in this particular passage of three separate calls of God directly to this young boy. All three times the young boy, as we read, gets up and goes to his spiritual mentor, and a heart of service to see what the high priest needs. The call of the Lord here, the calls of the Lord here speak of his patience, his persistence with us as people in need of redemption, as people that need to hear the word of the Lord. Due to our propensity to sin and all that we have, the nature of the consistent and persistent call of God's word in our lives is critical. His call exudes love and is issued with loving patience throughout life. On the third call, we read the following in verse 8. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Our next section in verses 9 through 14, it opens with the instruction of Eli to Samuel. Under his care and training in God's house, Samuel was ready for this moment. He was ready to listen and to obey. The prerequisite for knowing how to listen for, is first to know how to submit, to obey, to minister and serve. If we cannot submit, if we cannot obey, or if we cannot serve others, we will never know how to listen and learn from God's word. For instance, if a child has been taught to disobey, to not submit, what will happen when they're told to stop from entering a potentially life-threatening situation? Conditioned to disobey, they will not listen. The same is true of our lives in Jesus Christ. If we're used to disobeying and only submitting to self and to serving myself, we will shun everything that entails a ministration that is sacrificial. Or if we serve, we only serve with a mindset of expecting something back in return. As verse 9 states, Eli told the boy, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The next line states, So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Next in verse 10, And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. God then spoke of how he would fulfill all that was previously spoken about concerning Eli and his family in chapter 2. We see this in verse 13. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Here we encounter the consequence of what occurs when we submit to wickedness and refuse to hear the voice of God. We refuse to submit to the voice of God. We refuse to repent. The unrepentant turn their ears from listening to God towards listening to evil. Eli's sons, as we read last week in chapter 2, were guilty of a rebellion against God. Eli the high priest was complicit in the rebellion, as we read in chapter 2, by continuing to honor his sons and by not restraining them. As we read last week, he only asked them the question of why they were doing what they were doing. He didn't call them to stop. He didn't call them to repent. He did not remove them from their roles. No, he allowed their rebellion against God and his law to continue. No matter what, we are servants of someone, whether of God or of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We will listen to the voice of someone, either through submission to Jesus Christ or to the voice of evil through rebellion. The first part of our psalm today in verses 1 through 4 gives us sort of an outline of what rebellious listening looks like. We, re we read today that transgression speaks to the wicked. Transgression or rebellion against God lures them in deep in the heart. Eli's sons exemplified these traits. As our psalm stated, the wicked flatters himself in his own eyes. And then at the end of verse 2, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. For those bent only on listening to self and to sin, their hearts harden to the point they will not hate iniquity, and they feel that they will not pay the consequences for their actions. And verse 3 continues, of those that only listen to evil, the words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. It gets to the point, as occurred with Eli's sons, that they cannot be trusted. They could not be trusted any longer as ministering as priests of God. Those that reject the authority of God think they are wise. They think they are doing good. But in reality, they're prideful, they're arrogant, and they're devoid of all wisdom and goodness. As verse 4 states, his wicked ways are plotted even in sleep. He sets himself in a way that is not good. Ultimately, those that listen to sin over God exemplify the end of verse 4. He does not reject evil. All of these worthless attributes are universal for, the for all the people in Holy Scripture labeled as worthless fellows, as Eli's sons were labeled. This particular subset of sinners is especially heinous because throughout all of the Old Testament, not one instance occurs within this group of repentance and returning to God. They are bent on listening only to evil. They are bent on closing their ears to the word of Almighty God. Eventually, in listening only to their selfish desires, we go deaf. We're unable to hear what we need to hear for salvation. Only Jesus Christ in his life 
is able to open the eyes of the blind, to open the ears of the sinner, to submit to him as Lord and Savior. The judgment against the house of Eli was coming soon, and God gave Samuel, this young boy, the message. Verses 15 through 18 contain what occurred when Samuel and Eli awoke the next morning. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. For this young boy trained in the Lord, trained in the house of the Lord to minister to the Lord, to minister to the high priest, he honored Eli, he respected Eli. Knowing the Lord indeed spoke with Samuel in in an age where the word of God was rare. Eli said the following in verse 16, Samuel, my son, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Eli, knowing his own error error, and not listening to God, continues to do the right thing with this young boy, Samuel, through submission and, and obedience. A proper and godly prophet of that time was one that did not hold back the word of God in any manner in terms of the audience. If prophets held back for fear of what the recipients might say or do, it meant the prophet was not faithful to God's word. It meant the prophet himself was not listening to God's word. Eli here taught the young Samuel a very important lesson in speaking forth the truth. The audience did not matter. The truth must be spoken. In verse 18 states, So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli said, It is the Lord, let him do what he seems good to him. With Samuel for the rest of his life, full obedience and submission to God's word was evident. There's no shortcuts to the word of God, to the law of God. There's no shortcuts or other paths to salvation. It is in Jesus Christ alone erasing our ill-perceived need to devise shortcuts. Erasing our need or our perceived need to listen to other voices. We cannot make up what we want to fit our own desires. Such as just to listen to self while crowding out Almighty God with our own sinful noise. The problem with crowding out God is that it manifests itself in a hatred of those around us. That was the problem with the sons of Eli. The problem with not listening as Eli and his sons is that it harms those we are supposed to love. It harms those we are supposed to serve because we choose self-gratification over self-sacrifice. This is not love. This is hatred. And Eli knew this and here submitted to what was coming. Our call in God's grace is to submit and listen to his word alone. Submitting is to give our fears to him, resting in his son's work instead of relying upon other means and other voices. The last section of our lesson speaks of the presence and appearance of the Lord again at the house of God at Shiloh. Remember, at the start of this passage, the word of the Lord in these days was indeed rare. In the period of Judges, people only wanted to hear what pleased them and nothing more. And such they did what was right in their own eyes. From time to time when this happened in the nation of Israel, God's word indeed became rare in terms of speaking directly to his people. Even though we today have the word of God in its entirety, 
we can still go that same route that Israel did in the time of the judges. We can take what we want while rejecting what we do not like to justify pleasing self. We can make the word of the Lord rare even though it is readily available through turning inward to appease self. Such is done either through rejecting Jesus Christ in favor of satisfying self or through thinking we have all the right answers yet losing our first love in Christ to the point that grace, love, and mercy are lacking. Both miss the mark. Both exhibit a disdain for God's word in entirety. The coming back of the word here in 1 Samuel 3 marked the transition from a time of little hope to renewed hope in God, in his words, in his actions. This occurred through this young boy, Samuel, speaking on God's behalf eventually to the nation. As we read in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. The revival of the word through a new prophet and a new eventual judge, the last judge of Israel, brought back the honor And the reverence for the servants of God that had been lost through the wickedness of Eli's sons and Eli himself. When those in authority reject the word of God, it trickles down to all as it did in Israel. When even those in authority, though, submit to the word of God, listen to the word of God, and act on the words spoken, it sets forth a godly example for the people to enact in their own lives. Such reverence for God and his law from the top all the way to the common person and family makes the word of God prevalent again in any society instead of a rarity. Just as in the days of Samuel, we also live in times where God's word is rare through our callous rejection of what we do not like because we value worldly things over Jesus Christ. The only way out of this is through repentance. And it starts with submission to Jesus Christ alone by his word, all of his words, submitting every piece and bit of our lives to him, bit by bit. It is faithfulness, yes, faithfulness even in the smallest of things, the faith of a child, the things this world laughs at because they are too mundane and not flashy enough. And the small things that are ordered in Christ by his word, we will find that we can indeed listen again to his word and discern when it is the Lord. May we submit every day to the word of God, willing to listen to him and him alone. Speak, for your servant hears. Amen.